Welcome back to the little book of addictions. This is chapter four. How did my family ever get like this? We'll start again with a quote. Don't worry. Even if they leave us in the forest, we'll follow the trail breadcrumbs. It was Hansel that said that in Hansel and Gretel. Hansel and Gretel did not enter the woods intending to get lost. In fact, knowing that they should take precautions, they brought the breadcrumbs with them so they could leave a trail as they walked. What happened? They walked so far into the woods that they could not recognize where they were, and when they turned around to spot the trail, birds had eaten the crumbs. Scared and alone, they had no idea what to do next. Fear, confusion, and hopelessness are no strangers to you if you love or depend upon an addict. While nobody would have chosen to be in this situation, countless people, millions actually, find that this has happened to them. The changes take place so slowly and our defense mechanisms are so effective that by the time the cold, hard light of day shines on the situation, life has become an unrecognizable place. Sandy, a 45-year-old wife, said, I thought it was my fault. My husband would tell me that if I was a better housekeeper, if I cooked better meals, if I wasn't so demanding, he wouldn't have to drink so much. Now, defense mechanisms exist in order to protect us from being consciously aware of thoughts or feelings we don't have the ability to tolerate or deal with. This is particularly the case when the facts adversely affect an area in which we pride ourselves, like being a good parent, spouse, or child. Our defenses deflect the unconscious thought or feeling that is expressed indirectly, in a disguised form. This allows us to be able to continue to see ourselves as safe, loved, smart, competent, well thought of, or in any other way which is important or desirable to us. Let's say you feel ashamed because your spouse has done something really painful, embarrassing to your child, or has done something that might lead your neighbors to think you're a bad mom. Here are some defense mechanisms and how they might hide and or transform that feeling. Simple denial. Refusing to see or dismissing the evidence that others confront you with. For example, covering up, making excuses, avoiding consequences, not keeping to a bottom line you've drawn. An example of denial is shouting, no, when confronted with news so terrible it overwhelms you. Minimization. Making the problem look less serious than it is, intentionally leaving out information. It's just only a few, it wasn't that bad, are often heard when someone is minimizing. Projecting. This is blaming others for causing the problem or for making a problem out of nothing. Rationalization. Finding excuses for why you do or don't do something. Intellectualizing. Avoiding personal awareness of the problem by dealing with it on a level of generalization, intellectual analysis, or theorizing. Diversion. Changing the subject completely or putting the spotlight on the person presenting the complaint. You screwed up in college too. What about you? Will you drink? Or, I wouldn't have used if you weren't such a jerk. Hostility. Becoming angry when the subject is brought up. Glorification. Euphoric recall of an event. Humor. Making jokes about the problem. Making light of a serious subject to avoid looking at what's really going on. Assenting. Agreeing that there's a problem. Maybe even admitting that the person is an addict, but never doing anything about it. Avoiding. Staying clear of people, places, situations that may be a reminder that the problem is there. 
overcompensating, attempting to be super respectable, overworking, doing anything in order to make up for or allow for the problematic behavior, repressing, hiding the obvious from yourself, forgetting or ignoring are examples of repressing. See, addiction-driven defense mechanisms are activated by one or more of the following three factors. First, personal lack of knowledge. Most people just don't understand what addiction is. One of the revealing questions to ask someone is, how would you know if you were an addict? The answers are amazing. You hear things like, if I used all the time, if I couldn't go to work, if I used needles, if I couldn't control it. People have a preconceived idea of what being an addict means, and it's not usually an end-of-the-road type of picture. It's not like a skid row bum, abusive parent, convict. Additionally, most of us believe that we should be able to fix our own problems with outside help. These two beliefs are based on a lack of information and keep many alcoholics sick and stuck in the shame and fear that surrounds addiction. Many mistakenly believe that being a good wife or a good husband or a good parent or a good son would never let a loved one fall into the morass that is addiction. The truth is, nobody around the alcoholic addict can cause addiction or make it worse. The good news is, as knowledge increases, so does the chance of recovery for the entire family. Second, societal lack of knowledge. Addict's behavior is often pleasant, and most people identify this as the true person, not how the person acts because they have a disease. And no family wants to be judged and known by their neighbors as the family with the addict. Third, the disease itself. Addiction affects the central nervous system, the organ that controls how we think, how we feel, and how we act. Sadly, most early and middle stage addicts might argue that the alcohol or drug is the thing that is helping them deal with their problems, not the thing causing them. Because the brain does not work properly, they often believe they are fine, and the family members are the real ones with the problem. Additionally, when the drug leaves the addict system in the withdrawal process, the nervous system struggling to regain balance, begins, this leads to the addict feeling worse and worse, hungover or strung out. Thus agitated, the addict returns to use. This agitation is why people mistakenly think that outside events, circumstances, or upset feelings cause the addict to use, when really, it's the disease. Quote from a parent. It wasn't enough that Dave had lost friends, his business, his family's savings, and alienated his family completely. Nothing was enough to get him to stop. He didn't know why he drank or how to quit, and he spent much of his time feeling sorry for himself. He'd been contemplating suicide for weeks. Then some people who somehow still cared did an intervention on Dave. He just didn't have anything left to fight it. Finally, something was enough, and he hit bottom. He got help and is part of a great family again. Recovery is like getting a new life. Dave has that now, and every day it gets better. So why do addicts use? Because they suffer from the disease of addiction and their central nervous system has changed in response to the drug. In short, the brain tells the addict that they have to use in order to feel normal. Why can't they see this? Because they're addicts. What follows are some questions to ask yourself in considering whether the person you care about has a problem with alcohol or drugs and needs help. They describe some of the ways family members and friends may respond when the disease has begun to erode an addict's judgment, behavior, and values. So answer these questions. 
You can do it out loud or write, them, write your answers down. Have you ever been embarrassed at the behavior of someone who's drinking or using drugs? Do you have concerns about what will happen to the person as a result of their behavior? Do you hope the drinking or using will improve or find yourself thinking it's not as bad as it seems, not really? Do you feel like you can't talk or reach out to anyone anymore? Are you experiencing financial difficulty because of the addict's use? Do you feel pity or sympathy when the, when the addict is ill or unhappy as a result of their drinking or using? Have you ever lied to anyone to cover up for them? Are you angry, anxious, or scared about your own welfare or that of others as a result of the drinking or using? Has their use left you feeling frustrated or drained physically and emotionally? Are you angry or disgusted with them over their behavior? Have you ever felt unwilling to talk to others about your concerns over the person's drinking or using? Do you ever feel guilty or blame yourself for the user's behavior? If I was a better wife, if I was a better mom, if only I could have done that differently. Do you want to avoid being around the person when they're drinking or using? Do you want to avoid them until after they get a drink? Have you ever thought about hiding or throwing away alcohol drugs to keep them from the user? Families are like mobiles. Imagine a mobile with one piece bouncing crazily. It causes all the other pieces to bounce crazily also, doesn't it? A family with an addict functions in the same fashion. As all the other family members try to fix things, to steady the mobile, they end up helping in ways that do not help. Alone here, a place to live there, all end up enabling the addict to continue merrily on his way and continue using, all the while sparing them the negative consequences of their use. This paves the way for more of the same behavior from the addict, which in turn leads to more enabling behaviors on the part of the family. Other family members will react by withdrawing, some by becoming overly protective or by subjugating their needs to the perceived needs of the addict. We also know family members of addicts use two times the normal level of healthcare dollars. This not only means more colds, more aches and pains, as well as more depression, but also doubles the normal incidence of high blood pressure, cancer, multiple sclerosis, Crohn's disease, and many other illnesses brought on or exacerbated by stress. You see, a family is only as functional as its least functional member. If one of the members is an addict, the entire family will be woefully affected. In addition to causing stress-related illnesses, addiction can cause family members to develop behavioral problems. Men may bury themselves in work, all but ignoring the family. Women may become social enablers, subjugating all of their social and emotional needs to cover up the damage caused by the addict they love. It's not unusual for spouses to become unfaithful. Teenage girls may turn to bulimia, anorexia, or cutting themselves in a cry for control over some aspect of their lives. Children as young as eight may end up paying the bills and talking to creditors. Toddlers, even if toilet trained, are prone to accidents as well as sobbing fits. Alan blamed his drinking and drugging on everybody and everything. People yelled at him all the time because he was such a mess, and he just used that as a reason to drink and drug more. Round and round it went. He was awful to be around. His family really took a lot before they'd had enough. He still doesn't know what the last straw was, but his family finally got tough, 
pulled together for an intervention, and he got sober as a result. Thanking God for giving them the strength to do what they did, he marvels at the fact that they still loved him and provided the help he needed. Thank you for listening. There are more podcasts, much more information, and access to help at www.withyouandforyou.com.